You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. This morning, I want to minister a message, how much we need God. Most of us know that we need God, but we don't realize how much we need God. Because God knew that we had a need for Him. He came to this earth. The Bible teaches us in the book of John 1 that the Word became flesh, and when it manifested, we could see its glory. I want you to think about this. Jesus, the Word. The Bible says God's Word is settled in heaven. It means His Word is at the highest level. That's why we have to allow the Word of God to become the standard in our lives. The psalmist said that you've exalted your word above your name. Yes, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee must bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But his word is the highest. That's why you have to allow God's word to become the standard for your life. Jesus Although he was the word that became flesh, never relied upon the flesh. He never relied or trusted his human nature. He always relied on his divine nature. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 5. Verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Jesus is saying here, I'm always looking towards heaven. Although I'm the Son of God, I'm looking at what my Father is doing. This should bring huge encouragement to a lot of you, even as believers. Many people can identify with Jesus and the love of Jesus. But oftentimes because of relationships with your own father or a person in authority, it's difficult for us to identify with the father. But Jesus is saying here, everything I do, I do because I see my father doing it. Parents, just think for one minute. There's not a sacrifice you won't make for your children. But there's certain sacrifices that you make that you'd never want your children to go through. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. The Bible teaches us that God so loved the world that he gave. For God the Father to demonstrate his love, he gave Jesus. You can trust the Father. Jesus said, I'm not going to do one thing if I don't see my Father doing it. He relied on upon heaven in all his actions if you are here today it's because of one three reasons maybe you are morally bankrupt maybe you want God to heal you to deliver you maybe you're in need of a breakthrough or thirdly ignorance you just want to learn more about the word of God whatever your need Jesus wants to meet that need We know that we need God, but we don't realize how much we need God. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, I know I need God. But I don't always realize how much I need him. With everything that's happening, the COVID, so many people asking, are these the last days? Maybe you're wondering, are we in end times? I think one thing that is sure that that day is much closer than ever before. And whenever you read in the Bible about that day or that day, as Christians, we should give attention to that. As the church, we have to be ready. I'll never forget, we had just started the church, I think, two or three weeks. And as I was praying one morning, God spoke to me and, and just dropped a message in my heart. And he said, you as a pastor can take a whole church to hell through the teachings that you give them. Or you can point them in the direction of heaven. That's why you have to make sure that you're in a living church. All our messages that we preach should be Holy Spirit-filled messages, Spirit-led messages. The teachings should point us in the direction of heaven. Something serious because pastors will stand before God and give account. The Holy Spirit is likened to a wind. A matter of fact, the Hebrew word ruach means wind. When God created Adam, when he breathed into him, it was ruach, the breath of God. When the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, it was ruach. The Holy Spirit is ruach hakadesh. The Holy Spirit, that almost you can feel that, that wind. We as Christians, we are called to be led by the Holy Spirit in our walking. So when you experience a drag, the wind, maybe it's time to change direction. All Holy Spirit teaching, all Holy Spirit breathing, the winds of the Holy Spirit always blows towards the Holy of Holies. Just turn one page back, John 3, verse 8. Remember, Nicodemus, when he came to Jesus, I'm just giving you my interpretation. When he came to Jesus, he said, I've been teaching this nation for 30 years. I'm a teacher of teachers. I've been going for 30 years. Your ministry is not even three years old, Jesus. What's going on? Why is there signs, wonders, and miracles? Jesus said to him, if you're not born again, born from above, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit, Ruach HaKadosh, to make you new on the inside, you'll never see it. He said, how can I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? He said, a matter of fact, let me tell you, if you're not born again, you cannot even enter the kingdom of God. There's a new realm. You have to be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. It's that life in Christ Jesus. We need God, but we don't always realize how much we need God.
You know, I love to preach positive messages. Jesus Christ's gospel is positive. It's good news. But you know, there's some scriptures in the Bible that when I read it, I know I need God even more. Do you have some scriptures when you read it, you think, oh Lord, for me to do this, I need you. Let me give you one of my scriptures, Ephesians 4 verse 23 or 32. The second part, it says, as Christ has forgiven me, I should forgive others. It's easy to come to Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And you want Jesus to forgive you quickly and he washes you and he cleanses you with his blood. But then he says, in the same way that I've forgiven you, I want you to forgive others. To do that, you need the Holy Spirit. Am I right? We were worshiping God earlier on. But we can be in church and just be singing songs. John 4 says that God requires of us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. A matter of fact, Jesus teaching His disciples, He says, when I return, I'm not coming to see if you're a pastor. I'm not coming to see if you're a bishop or a reverend. I'm not coming to see if you're serving in the ministry team, on the ushering team. He said, I'm not even coming back to see where you're from. I'm not even coming to see if you're South African, if you're from Ghana, if you're from America or Italy. He says, when I return, I'm looking for those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And if it's not spirit, it's not truth. To be able to worship God in spirit and in truth, you need the Holy Spirit. Another scripture that really challenges me as a pastor, Paul writes in the book of Corinthians, and he said, after I've taught everybody, I must make sure that I don't get disqualified means I can teach you all the right things and at the end I get disqualified. Can you see how much pastors need the Holy Spirit? That's why pray for your pastor like your pastor is praying for you. Pray for him. I think one of the scriptures that I said, God, just help me. Peter, the rock, he said, if the righteous will scarcely make it, that's me and you. Can you see how much we need God? But then there's scriptures that I really love. Ephesians 2 verse 8. By grace, you have been saved. Turn to the person next to you and say, thank you for the grace of God. Paul says, By, through grace, we have been saved. That means God has made a way for us. Him treating us better than what we deserve. Jesus that knew we needed him more than what we realized we needed him. Paul writes in the book of Corinthians, not that I'm sufficient or that my sufficiency comes from myself, but my sufficiency comes from God who's made me a minister of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. Ruach. Because the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Can you see the need to pray every day? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon me. One thing that I've realized as a pastor, not just outwardly, but such in heart to look after the sheep, I want to make sure that the church is ready for that day. The day. 
Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to be ready. Tell them again, say, you have to be ready. You know, when Jesus spoke, and he took time to teach his disciples, I take time to read that, and I take it as if Jesus is speaking to me. When you read the Bible, don't read it and think, oh, this is a good scripture for that person. When you read it, take it as if Jesus is speaking to you. Amen? Matthew 24, verse 22, Jesus talking about the last days, the day. In the Amplified, it says that if God did not shorten the time, no one would make it. No one would be able to survive or to endure. What does it mean? It means the best Christian out there who loves God with all his heart. Jesus said, if my father did not shorten the time, nobody would make it. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is aware of your future. Jesus wrote this, or it's recorded in the Bible, so that me and you should be ready for that day. Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready for that day. Family, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. I'm sure I've got your attention now. Let me see your hand. If I got your attention, turn to the person next to you and say, I want to finish strong. Tell them again, say, I want to finish strong. So now I want you to listen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Thessalonians 2. When the Bible talks about the day or that day, we should take note. Verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless. It says, do not let anybody deceive you, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Do you know what the Amplified says? The Amplified says, let no one deceive you or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians has come. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Paul is writing here and he's warning Christians, those that are professing, says be very careful, there's a falling away coming. That word Apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia. Apo means to depart. Apo means to depart. Stasia is what you stand for. So he's saying there's coming a time where people will depart or fall away from what they stand for. We've seen it. People falling away from their faith. A falling away of Fatherhood, a falling away of motherhood. People departing from the word of God. Not allowing the word of God to be the standard in their lives. Think about it just for one second. 18 months ago, people took a stand. I'll be in church every Sunday. And now, people are not in church anymore. There's a new habit. Paul warns in the book of Hebrews... He said, do not neglect the assembly of the saints. 
of the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, as you see the day approaching. He's warning Christians to say they'll first fall away in heart, then they'll stop going to church. Turn to the person next to you and say, make sure you're in church every Sunday. Family, listen to me. For many people, it's become a habit. A habit in your life takes 21 days and it's a habit. Some people have not been in church for 18 months, 12 months. I'll tell you one thing that I know is that the Spirit of God is stirring up people's hearts and saying, you need to get back to church. Spirit of God is saying, you cannot fall away. Take your stand. Make a decision what you'll stand for. As a matter of fact, when you look at Ephesians 6, it says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may withstand the evil day. How will you be able to withstand, stand with God, if you're not standing for God? It says, after you've done everything, stand. That's what the Bible teaches us. After you've done everything, stand. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for everything. And it's time for the church to decide what we will stand for. Let's not neglect the assembly of the saints. As is the manner of some, as you see the day approaching. Let's break that habit and that cycle in your life. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to go to church. Because of our lack of understanding spiritual things, we think we only need God when we're in trouble. We think we only need God when we're looking for a breakthrough, when we're looking for healing or deliverance. Our need is far greater than that. When you look at the book of John chapter 5, verse 14, Jesus healed a man, and afterwards, verse 14, he found him in the temple. When God has given you your healing and your breakthrough and your deliverance, it's good to be in temple, to find yourself in the temple, to go to church. Many people, when they're looking for a breakthrough, you'll see them in church every Sunday. But once they've received their breakthrough, their blessing, now the blessing is taking them away every second weekend. They're going to places. Has that then become a blessing? Jesus said to him, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing happens to you. Worst thing can happen to you. What is he saying? He's saying to him, now that I've healed you, you're going to need me even more. Now that I've delivered you, you're going to need me even more. But because of our lack of understanding spiritual things, we think we only need God in that trouble. And once we've received it, we get too busy for God. Let me prove it to you. Just think for one minute. Many of you were praying for a spouse, a husband and a wife. Now you've received your husband or your wife. Are you praying less or more now that you are married? You're praying more. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people here. You that were trusting God for a child, fruit of the womb, now that you've got that child, are you praying less or more for that child? You're praying more for that child. Jesus is saying, now that you've received your healing, you'll need me even more because there's a need for you to maintain that healing, for Christ to sustain that healing. 
turn to the person next to you and say, I know I need God, but I don't always realize how much I need God. Can I tell you something? You need God to look. Because sometimes you're driving places and you'll see something and the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't look. We need God to walk where we are going. When we greet people, we need God so that they can experience the love of God. If you're an usher and hostess serving here, I want to salute you for doing a great job greeting people with the love of God. You need God to sit. You need God to put on your makeup, ladies. We need God as well to groom ourselves and to get ourselves ready. Amen. We need God more than what we realize in everything that we do. Because of our lack of understanding spiritual things, we think we only need God in times of trouble. That's why we have occasional prayer. Crisis, I need prayer. Whereas the Bible says in the book of Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Be continually in an attitude of prayer. If you know how much you need God, you'll be in an attitude of prayer the whole time. Lord Jesus, help me. Guide me. Do you know what's the good news? You and I know we've not been praying without ceasing. You and I know we wake up in the morning and we say, today I'm going to get it right. And before you've walked out of the back door, you've messed up. It's good news to know that even when we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. The Bible teaches us in the book of Ephesians that Jesus is the head of the church. As a matter of fact, he likens a husband and a wife to Jesus and the body of Christ. The bride and the bridegroom. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61 starts with that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. But then verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. Garments of salvation is Jesus Christ himself. The helmet of salvation. Salvation through the blood of Jesus. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Remember, righteousness is what Christianity is all about. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are attentive to their praise. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is the bridegroom and I am the bride. In Jewish customs and culture, the bride is the one with the veil, keeping herself, distancing herself. We as the bride, we are not of this world, we are in this world, but we're not of the world. But do you know the bridegroom? What is the meaning of that word, bridegroom? It's the word katan. And the meaning of that word is to join himself to you. 
turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus joined himself to you. Family, listen to me. In the book of Romans 5, the Bible says, when we were God's enemy, he reconciled himself to us. You know what that means? It means when you hated him. I hated him, wanted nothing to do with him, rejected him, ran from him. He married you and me. He became the bridegroom and joined himself to you and to me. What does it mean? It means all your unholiness, your sin, your most wicked part in you. He joined himself to that so that you can become holy, so that you can become righteous. Do you know what that means? If God joined himself, helped you when you hated him, when you wanted nothing to do with him, that little thing that nobody knows about, he made himself one with that. If he did that, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So my question is, the excuse that you've been giving the whole time, it's not an excuse anymore. Because he has joined himself to you and to me. He who knew no sin became sin so that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 5, verse 26. Just go there quickly. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Why do you think Paul says, when an unbeliever is married to a believer, and that believer can remain the believer sanctifies the unbeliever. We were all unbelievers. Christ came to sanctify us. This is the power of the gospel. Jesus made a decision to join himself to you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's not just the one who has joined himself to you, but he's also your advocate. So whenever you mess up, go read 1 John 2. It says he's your advocate. So when you make a mistake, just run to him. The one who has joined himself to you is the one who paid the price in full, is the one representing you before the Father. That's why 1 John 3 says, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. He's paid the price in full. He's joined himself to you. Can you see how much you need God? God will do what he has promised. Even if you've made a mistake, God is the God of second chances. God so loved the world that he gave. If God asks anything of you to do anything, it's because he is prepared to do it himself. Remember, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham knew now that God had given him the promise, he'll need God even more. But his trust was in God. When God asked him, Genesis 22, go sacrifice your son, your only son, the one that you love. 
God the Father was prepared to make that sacrifice as well. When he took the donkey, put his son on the donkey, and walked towards the place where he would bring the sacrifice, what did God do? God placed his son on a donkey. When he said to the servants, you have to stay here now, me and the lad, we're going yonder to worship. What did he do? He took the sacrifice wood, the wood that he would use for the sacrifice. He placed it upon the back of Isaac. When Jesus was on his way to the place of sacrifice, what did he? he had the sacrifice with the cross on his back, walking with it. When Isaac came to the top, what did he have to do? He bound Isaac to the firewood, to the sacrifice. What happened to Jesus? The cross. They bound him to the cross. When Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son, God said, no. I've provided a substitute. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me. We should have that heart, whatever God has blessed us with, to know that even when we give it to God, we know what will follow. Once you start to give, you'll be aware, conscious of your future. When Abraham said, I'm prepared to sacrifice this, or God said, sacrifice this, he was conscious of his future because he knew God would turn it around. That's why when he left the servants there, he didn't say, I'm going to sacrifice my son. He said, we're going yonder now to worship. Because that kind of giving changes your future that has an impact on everybody around you. Don't be around people for what you can get from them. Be around people for what you can give. You're a life-giving spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know I need God. But I don't always realize how much I need God. I'm going to close with two scriptures. Daniel 6 verse 16. Daniel is faced with a lion's den. And he knows he needs God. The Bible said he prayed three times a day and gave thanks to God. The king who threw him into the lion's den, his enemy, was the one who said, may the God whom you serve continually deliver you. When you serve God continually, relying upon the help of the Holy Spirit, even your enemies will acknowledge that you serve God continually. When you are totally committed, even your enemies will acknowledge that you serve God faithfully. A matter of fact, it was the king that was fasting and praying for him. You'll see your enemies praying and fasting for you. The king was aware of the fact that Daniel served him continually. Not occasionally. Daniel gave thanks three times a day. When it was going well, he gave thanks to God. But when he faced the lion's den, death, he gave thanks to God. It teaches us, in the good times, thank God. 
And in the hard times, thank God. That's a demonstration of our faith. To get to a place where we know that we need God. Godly men all have godly habits. Daniel prayed three times a day giving thanks to God. He left nothing to himself. If we are left to ourselves, our enemies will triumph over us. But when you know you have somebody fighting for you, bringing a solution, the helper. David was not a giant slayer. He had a friend in the Holy Spirit who disposed of giants. Acts 17, Paul writes, he says, In him we live and move and have our being. As Christians, we should get to a place where we realize, without him, I cannot live. I cannot move. I cannot have my being. Because I need him to look. I need him to talk. I need him to preach. I need him to walk. I need him to drive. I need him to take public transport. Whatever I'm doing, I need God. In him we live and move and have our being. To get to a place where I say, without him I cannot live. I cannot move. I cannot have my being. You are here and you need a breakthrough. How will you maintain that breakthrough if you don't maintain your relationship with Jesus Christ? Micah 2 says, the breaker, the Messiah, will go before you. You don't just want him to go before you. After that, you want him to be with you. It was Moses who said, I'm not going into the promised land, that which you've promised me. I'm not going into there unless the Holy Spirit has gone before me. Your presence has gone before me. Understood something. He didn't want to do it in his own strength, even though God had promised it to him. He said, I need the Holy Spirit. Peter knew he needed the Holy Spirit. Abraham knew he needed the Holy Spirit. Daniel knew he needed the Holy Spirit. Make a decision to stand for God. Daniel made a decision. He said, I'm not falling away. I'm making a stand. I'm going to continue to thank my God. He could have reasoned very easily. I'll just bow the knee quickly. But he said, no. Left to my enemies, they would triumph over me. I'm taking a stand. I'm not falling away. I need God in my life. I'm going to thank God three times a day, glorify his name because I know I need him even year after. Sila. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.